Good morning, Thrive. I bet you're wondering who in the world this crazy-looking, curly-haired kid is up on stage. My name is Carrie Lynn Lucas, and I am one of the assistant pastors here at Lover's Lane. Your pastors, your regular pastors, Scott and Reagan Gilliland, are in Mississippi, hopefully joining in on live stream, so hello to them. Um, they're just enjoying some family time and taking a Sunday off, so I am thrilled and honored to be before you this morning. Um, I know that for some of you, um, the coming and passing of Thanksgiving means a great celebration. And I'm not just talking about the Cowboys win on Thursday, which if you watched the A&M LSU game last night, it feels like a lifetime ago. And I don't, I'm not just talking about leftover stuffing sandwiches, but the coming and passing of Thanksgiving means that a moment I've been waiting for all year long has finally arrived. And this is a moment that some of you may have started a little early, and I would like you to know that you are wrong, because as of Friday at 12.01 in the morning, we are now allowed to listen to Christmas music. Some of you fools started on Halloween, and I get that, that's fine, do your thing. But as of Friday, I began listening to Christmas music. I hate to brag, but I have a pretty good playlist on Spotify. Um, so I had that blast in for me on Friday as I was preparing for this sermon. Whether you've been listening to Christmas music since Halloween or you began, like me, on Friday the correct way, we can all agree that with the coming and passing of Thanksgiving means that the Christmas season really is upon us. Which means I feel like I'm already behind on my shopping. Christmas trees are everywhere. The Hallmark Christmas movies are back. And every, yeah, some of y'all are real excited. <laughs> and every house on the block is starting to get lights. In church, we call the Christmas season Advent. And it actually includes the four Sundays leading up to Christmas where we talk about preparing for Christmas and we talk about the anticipation for Jesus that we see in the New Testament. So typically, the Sunday after Thanksgiving is the first Sunday of Advent. But this year is really weird. And the Sunday after Thanksgiving is not the first Sunday of Advent, which causes quite the predicament for me. Because then the question becomes, what do you preach on after Thanksgiving that's not quite Advent? And I got to thinking about the word hope. If you go to Target or Hobby Lobby tomorrow, you will go and find tons of pillows, pieces of wall art, and coffee mugs with the word hope plastered on them in a cute font. You're probably going to receive Christmas cards with lots of really cute kids on them, let's be real, and really cute dogs. And the word hope's going to be on at least ten of them. It seems as if hope and Advent, or the Christmas season, come hand in hand. And I even thought about one of my favorite Christmas songs called Oh Holy Night, and it has this line, A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. Hope just comes naturally with Christmas. But do we really have hope this holiday season? As a kid, around Christmas time, I would hope that Santa would bring me exactly what I was asking for. Or I would hope that it would snow, even though it made no sense and I grew up in West Texas and it never snows there anyways. As a teenager and in college, I would hope that I would pass my finals because the Christmas season and the end of the semester seemed to come 
right with one another. So at first glance, hope and Christmas seem to go right together. But then this week, I got to think about real hope, the kind that you feel in your head, your heart, and your gut. And I don't think it's as easy to find. Maybe the beginning of the Christmas season isn't as cheery for us as we really think it is. Christmas and the holidays are reminders of the really weird family situations that we're in. The holidays can make us feel very alone, even when we're not. During Christmas time, we look at our life and maybe we feel stuck or even a little lost. And honestly, Christmas is exhausting. Like maybe we're just really tired. So with all the baggage and the weirdness that comes with this season, the question becomes, where does your hope come from if you have any? Now we're in church, so you can probably guess what the short answer to this question is going to be. Your hope comes from God. But that concept is really not as simple as it seems. This week I got the chance to really reflect on what does it look like for my hope to be in God during the Christmas season. So today we're going to look at a really important and often overlooked piece of scripture. And we're going to talk about what it means to really have our hope in God this Christmas season. Before we get started with that, would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, thank you so much for this time between Thanksgiving and Advent to think about hope. God, I ask that as we engage in this conversation and we think about how to engage in relationship with you, that the words would not be mine but yours for these people gathered here. Open our hearts to your presence already here in this place. In your name we ask these things. Amen. Okay, so our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Now remember, the Gospel of Luke is found in your New Testament, and Gospel's just a funny church word for um, the books of our Bible that give us the life and the stories of Jesus. There's four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now up until this point in the Gospel of Luke, there's a couple of crazy things that have happened. There's a woman named Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah, and Elizabeth has been told that she's pregnant. And it's kind of a miracle because from what we can tell with what this tells us, Elizabeth and Zachariah are a wee bit older than childbearing age. So there's a miraculous conception, and this child in Elizabeth's belly, we know later to be John the Baptist. Also, up until this point in the story, Mary angel Gabriel that she's pregnant as well and that's a miracle because she's a virgin so we have two miraculous conceptions of very different ends of the spectrum so Mary goes to visit Elizabeth because they're cousins and scripture tells us that when Mary walked in the door the child in Elizabeth's belly leapt or kicked maybe and so what Elizabeth does is she looks at Mary and she says Holy are you and blessed among women. Elizabeth knew by the movement of the child in her belly that the child in Mary's belly was the Lord. 
And so Elizabeth encourages Mary, you are blessed among women. God has chosen you for this very important thing. And then Mary breaks out into song. Because that's what you do after your friends tell you you're blessed by God, right? Mary's song is called the Magnificat. And it's just another funny word for her song here in the Gospel of Luke. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Mary said, With all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and Abraham's descendants forever. I think the Magnificat, the section here, is actually one of the most dense sections of scripture that we have in the whole Bible. It sets the tone for the entirety of Jesus' ministry and mission on earth. If you go on and continue to read the Gospel of Luke, you know that Jesus carries out this mission that Mary talks about before he's even born. Mary does a couple of things with her song. Mary uses her song to praise God. She says, with all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God, my Savior. Mary uses her song to give glory to God for the wonderful things that has happened to her. She practices thankfulness when she says, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the Mighty One has done great things for me. Mary uses her song to speak of the hope that she has for the future. She says, he shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. She talks about God's strength. She talks about God's justice. She talks about how God lifts up the lowly and fills the hungry with good things. And Mary ends with praising God for all that God has done even before her time. She goes back and she mentions Abraham, who was 18 generations before her. Mary demonstrates some solid biblical knowledge with her song as well. In the entire Magnificat, I think that we see Mary experience what I'm calling the thrill of hope. She enters into this incredible song where she praises God and thanks God and says, Wow, God, look at what you've done even from the time of Abraham and even to me. Mary had hope for herself, hope for the baby in her belly, but also hope for us. Hope for you and hope for me and everyone that has come before and even after us. 
The thing about real and genuine hope, the kind that you feel in your head and your heart and your gut that causes you to break out in song, this kind of hope, I think it's attainable for us. And I think that this kind of hope, if we can grasp it, I think it can launch us into a really beautiful season of Advent this year. And I'm not just talking about any old kind of hope. This is not a hope in humanity or hope in sports teams, gigamaggies, or employers or celebrities or politicians. This is not hope in what gifts are coming your way in a month. This is not hope in any newness that's going to come with the new year that comes in just a few short weeks. And this isn't hope that wishes for things we don't have right now, like a better job or more money. But this is hope in the only thing that can cause the kind of thrill of hope that we see with Mary. Hope in God. So the question becomes, how can we really put our hope in God this holiday season? I think that the only way we can really put our hope in God, which is a nice thing to say, the only way to actually do this is to engage in our relationship with God. And this morning, based on Mary's song, I have four ideas for you. So the first is reading scripture. Mary, at the end of her song, demonstrated knowledge of scripture. She showed us that she engaged with it beforehand. She makes reference to what we called the Old Testament, but to what her would have been holy scripture. Mary spent time engaging scripture up until this point. Now, I know this seems like a very obvious Sunday school answer for me to tell you to go home and read your Bible. But think about it. What if you took time to read something in this book every day for the next couple of weeks? I was 18 years old. I had been in church my whole life. Never missed a Sunday, I'm pretty sure. I was 18 years old before I actually engaged this book and took it seriously and read it every day. I was really good at lying about it before then. But when I did, I experienced exponential spiritual growth. Maybe right now, you're being called to engage scripture every day between now and Christmas. Maybe you need to read the Magnificat every day. Or maybe you need to keep reading the Gospel of Luke. If you read one chapter every day, you'll be finished before Christmas Day. But if we engage in Scripture, perhaps we can access the thrill of hope that Mary experiences. And maybe that can launch us into a better Advent season. The second one is practicing daily prayer. Mary's entire song is a prayer. She prayed to God and thanked God for her blessings, and she prayed to God and said, God, I hope for the future. And again, this seems like a very obvious churchy answer, go home and pray. But what if you really thought about it? I'm really good at praying very, like, scripted prayers at meals and at bedtime, like, dear God, thanks for my food, amen, let's eat. Um, and that's not really engaging my relationship with God, right? 
When I think about prayer, I think about one of the most precious friends that I have. Her name is Anita Mopingo. Anita is one of our young adults here at Lover's Lane, and she's also a member of our Zimbabwe Fellowship. There is no one on God's green earth who prays like Anita. Every week when we're gathered together, we really want Anita to be the one to pray out loud at the end because she's so good at it. When Anita prays out loud, the group that's with her can't help but be drawn to God. Anita inspires me to look at the way that I pray. And I thought about that this week and I realized it's because Anita prays honestly. She doesn't run through a script. She doesn't just spit out something that's not heartfelt and not from her head, her heart, and her gut. When Anita prays, she thinks about what she's saying. So she inspires me to look at the way I approach my personal prayer life. And to think about, am I praying honestly when I pray to God? And perhaps when I sit down at a meal, I don't just huff through something that's scripted and robotic, but I sit down and I say, wow, God, thank you. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my friends. And when I really start thinking about how I'm praying, it helps me more intentionally engage with my relationship with God. Perhaps taking the time to pray and to pray honestly can help us access this thrill of hope that we see with Mary that can launch us into a more intentional Advent season. The third idea in engaging with our relationship with God this Advent season is to engage with Christian community. Mary does this in the Gospel of Luke when she goes to spend time with Elizabeth after finding out that she's pregnant. Elizabeth is the one that helps Mary realize how blessed she is. And even Elizabeth is drawn closer to God because of her time with Mary. The holidays are really busy. Between corporate Christmas parties, kids' Christmas events, preparing our heads and our hearts and our homes for worship, and just trying to find time to even take a nap for a second, we're very busy. And oftentimes, the first things to go when we're making lists of priorities are our friends and our church community. During this season, I hope that you'll meet with your small groups. And if you need a small group, we'll find you one. I also hope that this season, you continue to come on Sunday mornings and engage with your Christian community here. And yes, I want these things for all of us. Never once do I go to my small group and walk away having regret going. But what if we engaged in Christian community a little deeper than that? What if this Advent season you called a friend who you haven't talked to in a while who might need to hear from you? Or what if this Advent season you found time in your schedule to make dinner? For a family or for friends who maybe don't have a time to make dinner for themselves. And bring it to them and sit with them and eat with them. Engaging with Christian community helps us engage this thrill of hope that we see with Mary. It helps us push one another to see the good things in our life. 
And it helps us engage our relationship with God as well. And the last one, number four, practicing thankfulness. Mary does this in her song. She gives thanks to God for the blessing of the baby that's in her belly and how this baby fulfills the promise that she knew and she understood before her. Now, I know what you're thinking. Thanksgiving's gone. I, I was thankful. I sat around the table, and Grandma suggested that we all say what we're thankful for, and we did it, and it's done. Thankfulness is gone. But what if you are just as thankful today as you were on Thursday? It's harder when you're busy and when there's more going on. But what if we practiced thankfulness? One of my very favorite Christmas movies in the entire world is White Christmas. And in a pinnacle part of the movie, two of the characters are awake because they can't sleep. Because they're kind of worried about some things that are happening. And they break into one of my favorite songs. The lyrics of this song say, when I'm worried and I can't sleep, I count my blessings instead of sheep. And then I fall asleep counting my blessings. The song was written by a man named Irving Bench, who actually was told by a doctor that the cure for his insomnia could be counting his blessings. And Mr. Bench thought this idea to be so true and found it to be such a cure in his life that he wrote the song and included it in the movie. What if this Christmas season you counted your blessings, even just one every day? Like Mary, you'll experience the thrill of hope. You'll engage in your relationship with God. And I think it will launch us into a more beautiful Advent season. So I hope that we can take from the example of Mary. Engage with scripture. Pray honestly. Engage with Christian community. And yes, even take some time to be thankful. I think if we do this, if we engage in this part of our relationship with God, perhaps the thrill of hope that we see with Mary in her beautiful song, maybe we'll experience something similar and something that launches us into real hope, not just the fake hope.